So hey everybody, welcome to episode 282 of the Morning Disco Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Hello. Right, so to begin with, we have some fact check from, I guess, a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about uh, AD and BC, or Anno Domini, which is what uh, AD stands for, and that was created in 15, or sorry, 525 by Dionysus Exdius. Um, and it means, it basically, it's a, it's a medieval Latin meaning the year of our Lord. So, um, and he was doing this calc. He was building the calculator. I think this is the Julian calendar, or was it Gregorian and, and Julian? The two calendars, right? Um, he was doing this to calculate when Easter would fall, which is why he decided to create this calendar. Um, so they really weren't, they really weren't counting years, but to, up until 525 officially, right? Um, and then afterwards, they came up with BC, which is before Christ. And of course, this is, comes back to our "there is no year zero argument <laughs> because the other two calendars have a zero in it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And Mark. Was right. I I'm immediately as soon as I got one home pod, I wanted to get another home pod. So mm-hmm. I did go out and buy a second one so we could listen to the, the stereo effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I thought it would be sort of more a little bit more magical. I didn't know I had to like bond the two home pods together and make them into one home pod to get the stereo. Oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was impressive, but but yeah, we, we we have since split them. Carol's taking one upstairs, and I've got one in in the kitchen. So you need to get another one then. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm so right. saying two more, right? So you yeah, could each have a right. pair. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. But but I also trying to buy a Mac too so maybe I'll, I'll I'll save buying on stop buying a HomePod for a while and oh and I, I didn't tweet out this out the other day but like you know I was impressed with the HomePod because you know like we listen to it in the kitchen for our radio so we just ask it to stream CBC radio on 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 it and like Alexa it says oh here's CBC radio hosted by TuneIn because it ties into the TuneIn app which of course I I do own a license of or a copy of it I've paid I have a paid copy on my phones right so I don't know if that's tied in or not or whatever but um the other day bursting in the morning the HomePod kind of went, I don't know how to do that. Like after like a week, I'm like, what do you mean you don't know how to do that? You know, of course you can't have a conversation with a HomePod. It's like talking to your dog. But, um, so yeah, Alexa got promoted back to the kitchen again. So as, as backup for the HomePod, I was going to ask Alexa to explain to the HomePod how to stream BBC radio, but yeah. I think it was just a temporary blip. I've seen that happen with all the assistants where they'll forget how to do something. I'm like, "Mm, I bet you they had a bad deployment. Let me just wait five minutes and see if I get a different one. Yeah, it did. After a day, it had kind of recovered. But yeah, I was, I was, uh, was, uh, was going to, you know, send out a tweet saying HomePod Zero Alexa Two because it beat two HomePods at their own game. Anywho, um, I just, I'm just not, you know, I'm not a big fan of like, you know, the rumors about Alexa being on all the time and listening all the time. You know, um, somehow I trust Apple's not really trying to sell me soap. You know, like Alexa is, right? So, um, just a little nervous about having Alexa on in the kitchen all the time. Anywho, um, what's next? Oh yeah, so we were talking about in the after show. We were talking about the the stars of Star Wars. And uh, Dominic Monaghan, who is the played um, Mary from Lord of the Rings, was in the movie. And apparently, he had won. He had a bet with J.J. Abrams over a, a, a soccer match, a football match, and uh, he lost. And so the, the the prize was a role in um, the new Star Wars movie. And it wasn't a small role. It wasn't like a walk on or a cameo. He had quite a, he had lines and everything, didn't he? Had a couple of lines. It wasn't a major role by any means. Yeah, but it was mm-hmm. obviously like, he was in the frame for quite a bit of time. It wasn't. I think he probably, probably had more than than uh, Billy Lord in the in the uh, yeah, it's probably the true. Movie. Yep. Mm. Anyway, um, and I was trying to rattle my brain around uh, MacWorld um, when I was 
things there. Um, I, I used to go to Boston in the, in the, in the wintertime for a con- like a publishing conference, but I would go to Macworld. Macworld Boston used to be in August, so that would be around the time frame that I was in Macworld. So that was when we were trying to sort out what when the um, InDesign announcement was made. So it sounds, sounds around the right, right time frame anyway. And um, the guy I couldn't remember. I mean, I was talking about a Swift development mailing list that his was taking a break, and uh, he was a friend of the show, Andy Bark, and so um, or Barge. I don't know how to say his name, but yeah. So anyway, thanks to Andy for being a fan of the show, and we'll miss your list, and hopefully you'll be back in a little while. All right. So uh, do we have any Ask MTJC, Jamie? I didn't see any when I looked. All right. Okay. Let's move on to the follow up. Um, you were up. You're up first, Jamie. Yeah, this is for the the folks who can't have more than enough Mac Pros. Um, you know, some people want to just have one. They'll put the wheels on it. But if you're like, you know what, I want like ten of these in a row. How am I going to handle this? Well, Apple's got a rack mounted Mac Pro variant. It's available for you now, and an extra five hundred dollars, right? Yeah, I'm a little unclear what you get for that, other than just like, look, you know, market segmentation of like, look, if you're putting them in a rack, clearly you've got uh, some beefier needs and a beefier pocketbook to, to boot. Yeah, it's probably like a rack mount kit like when you with the xers used to come with there were there were two styles of, of racks that you could put things in based on the screws and and so there was two different rack mount kits when the xers were around um so yeah and it says here an extra 400 or 500 to do that um it may not have it may be a different case it looks like from the one screenshot we have the front facing screenshot right it doesn't seem to have feet yeah it, it, it does was. maintain the design language of the the cheese grater sort of look to it yeah uh, and the article does mention the um the uh the rack mounting rails which i guess could be made of the, the same wonderful material as the you know the monitor stand yeah the one thing that, that does concern me about this in terms of in terms of cost to, to put it into a into a uh, hosting environment um is that i forget what they call those things but like um uh the x server will work one u high like a unit right and and based on how much rack space you take um which is where like where rack space gets their name from they charge you by the height of your device right so this doesn't look like a one u unit it probably like four or five, so that's another expense to sort of calculate into into having it at some location. Wait, like you're not going to put this necessarily at a data center. That's what I'm looking for. So the the amount of uh, vertical rack space this would take up more than a couple of Mac Minis, which probably fit into a one U as well, right? So yeah, well, I, I suspect this is just standard enterprise pricing. If you're if you're buying enough of these things that you need to have a whole rack full of them, yeah, you're probably then, buying, you're probably renting a rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably not uh, too worried about an extra five hundred bucks a piece. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the the the, the rental space on, of the the unit, like on the on the actual physical rack. You pay per month by how many how much vertical space you're taking up, as well as high, you know, the, the power well, yeah. and I know, cooling. And, I mean, do do people do that anymore? Buy their own equipment and rent it, rent out a spot somewhere? Yeah, it's I, I, okay. Yeah, but I mean, but like it's I said, more they niche. Like it, it does happen. Yeah, but like, yeah. There's, there's like colos, that colocation yeah, places exactly. that will let you do that sort of thing. Yeah, and I'm just saying another factor is the is the height of the actual. I mean, it's basically the width of the device, but you know, but looking at it on the rack, it's going to be take up you know six inches of space, yeah. right? You know, yeah. whatever, right? That six inches is going to cost you more than like one inch or two inches. Yeah, right? these are the height as as same height as those, those old uh, Solaris rack servers. Yeah, yeah, but, a, but like a lot of servers that are like Dells and things like that are now all they're all right, they're much know, they're all thin, yep. right? So yep. they're like blades, pretty much, right? They call them sometimes. Anyway, just another another cost factor. So the five hundred dollars is a drop in the bucket compared to that. Yep. 
Like you said, Mark. All right, what's next, Tommy? Another quick bit of follow-up. Many moons ago, we mentioned the fact that Microsoft Edge, based on Chromium, or Credge, as many folks online call it, would be available for macOS in January. And guess what? It is January, and it is now available to download. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's very much like a... It almost feels like an open-source clone of, uh, of Chrome, which I suppose in many respects it is, right? It's uh, oh, basically okay. like its own little fork. Um, it, it works pretty well. I haven't used it too much. It functions more or less the way Chrome does. Um, it does have wow. a handy little feature when you launch it to pull over your information from Chrome if you want to import. They actually mentioned mm. Bing right on the on the webpage, as, as if they <laughs> as if they weren't ashamed of it. As if it's a real product. Yeah. Yeah. real boy. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is definitely in the weird area of. You know, why would you use this over Chrome? And I think if you like the Chrome experience and are sort of unwilling to uh, go to Safari on Mac or move over to Firefox or Brave or a couple other larger alternatives. Um, so you like the Chrome experience, but you kind of feel dicey about Google as a company or its business practices. This is, I think, a very reasonable starting point as an alternative. Well, it's interesting because a lot of enterprises have moved over to Chrome as the standard browser, not Explorer, right? So, yeah, this is a that's obviously, I think that's maybe why uh, Microsoft is sort of trying not to lose the war as it were, the browser, whatever left was left of the browser war, right? Yeah, because Edge, uh, the, the replacement for Internet Explorer from Microsoft was losing bad, like real bad. Um, it's sort of weird the way that uh, Chromium, uh, Chrome has become more or less the web standard, has become the new Internet yeah, Explorer exactly, 6. Yeah. And uh, I, I think for business reasons, Microsoft was like, look, we, we just can't win this war and it doesn't make sense to have all of the engineering costs to go for another browser layout engine when we could still have a you know scary air quotes browser with our branding and it can hook into our all of our services but be based on the chromium open source base that chrome itself is based off of right hmm. yeah scary stuff we'll have, to see, we'll have to see what happens in five years whether microsoft makes a comeback in the enterprise in that sense right i mean like safari like i to be honest with you i use chrome when i'm doing um, like css work because it's got a much better debug tool than Safari does, but you know, but Safari you can debug stuff coming from an iOS app, right? So interesting stuff. And you got one more here, honey? Yeah, this one is from uh, Six Colors. It's called uh, Fun with Charts: A Decade of Apple Growth. So, right. Uh, if folks have been following along, um, Jason Snell and, and the folks over there have been doing all these charts usually around the time when they have quarterly results or yearly results for Apple. And this one is interesting because it's it's got an interesting point about iPhone revenue and particular and how the right, normal yeah. chartsmanship doesn't really give you the story where you look at these charts and you're like, yeah, you know, iPhone revenue has been pretty good. It's up and to the right iPad, you know, had a big jump and then sort of dipped, but it's, it's stabled off. Mac revenue is, is slightly on an incline, but very stable. But he says, yeah, but that's when you're using these scales that are uh, meant for each of the individual ones. Like iPad is compared against iPad for each of its years, Mac against Mac and iPhone against iPhone. But if you keep them all all in the same scale, um, iPhone, and this is an enormous one. It will be huge on your screen. iPhone from 2009 to 2019 has had meteoric growth, even with some weird peaks and valleys um, the last couple of years. I mean, it is astounding when you see, like, what if you had these on the same scale? Right. Is that That's why this big giant chart, like it's almost, you know, 14, 15 inches tall kind of thing, right? Yeah, it goes from, what is this, 13 billion to 142 billion in the most recent year with a mm -hmm. high of 100 165. You don't really get that from the other chart of like, oh yeah, 13 and 142. Oh, that seems about right. It's 
like, well, yeah, but if you scale them, it uh, it gives you the, the real impression, right, of, of what's really happening. It's interesting. In, in 2015, there was a blip where it spiked up, and then 2018, there was a spike up. And I think we might have talked about when it came 2015 to 2016, when it went down in revenue, but it still was sort of on the same incline. Like, it was almost like you said, like the 153 was an anomaly. But I remember talking about how Apple was, everybody was like, the naysayers were saying that Apple was, you know, no longer the the big score that it, that it was because the price, you know, they had sold less than they, than I guess everybody else anticipated. But yeah, when you look at it in this big tall format, like you've got here, uh, it's unlike anything else. I mean, like, you know, you cannot look, tell me at a hundred, at 135 billion, is that what this is? 135 billion in sales. Is that correct? Yeah, that's I believe that's, that's yeah, the revenue. Billions, yeah. Yeah. At 135 billion to 140 billion, like from one year to the other, that's not, that's not chump change, right? That's a lot of billions. Yeah, like Mac sales is sort of twenty five billion. You know, iPad its best year was thirty one. That's yeah, quite a quite a jump. Wow, you need to look at the numbers in, in perspective, right? Indeed, indeed, it, it certainly um, cuts through a lot of the. You know, we get a lot of the noise from from week to week, from year to year about you know doom and gloom, which we, we always joke about on this show. But I think it also talks about like, yeah, you know, these uh, these iPhones are going to continue to be a. Uh, Pretty good source of opportunity for the developer community. Be curious to see what what the numbers were for like BlackBerry in in the same you know BlackBerry ten years ago was like the, the standard, right? I wonder how many or in Nokia before that. I wonder how many billions of phones they were selling or billions of dollars. Nowhere near what I guess what the iPhone is doing, right? Yeah, well, maybe a num- maybe a number of units, but the cost per device was way way lower. They weren't smartphones, really. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I think Android and I, and iPhone are probably you know eclipsing those older phones. Yeah, I mean now a thousand dollar phone is completely standard. We don't even blink an eye at a thousand dollar phone. When just was it two years ago when it broke through that yeah. point? It was there was panic in the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at one right now. My I want to say it was eleven hundred dollar iPhone ten that I'm still rocking in it, in its third year. Mm-hmm. So it'll be three years wow. this September. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, an eye popping phone, and I was like, every flagship that comes out competes in that price range. It's just a normal right. thing. Or oh, they do like all the other phones have gone up to that pricing pricing model for flagship for models like samsung's for sure they do it with the galaxy note i don't know what they're doing with the normal s line um so people do you know you market segmentation we were talking about that earlier right like you you can afford more money on this thing we will gladly take it you'll give it to us right, right well i got to follow up here on on kid hacks what I, you know when kids take technology and and uh, bend it to their own devices we've, we've talked about some of the cool things that kids do to get around the limitations that you know technology puts on them and i I'm thinking about this now. I think we talked about this before that that kids are switching. They're swapping their AirPods. Um, like they'll take one person will give the the right AirPods to another kid, and then they can actually talk to each other through their phones. Um, and sort of there's a little little uh, example here on the this TikTok video, which shows how to do it. I guess they can sit in class and chat away, you know, without the teacher really knowing they're they're doing it, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah, so this involves swapping one AirPod. So each individual is, has two still, but has mm-hmm. their buddy's AirPod. And then they use um, text-to-speech apps. In this case, they're, they're using Google Translate. Oh, and right. you can pl- have it speak out what's going on there, so you don't necessarily have to to read it. And oh, cool! And that's yeah. how they're they're doing this, which seems like a really convoluted way of getting information. I mean, you're already texting in the device, and even if you were, I, I don't know how good the the microphone is on the AirPods, but uh, even if you were speaking very, very, very quietly like this, um, I I would guess maybe that could do the the speech handling as well. But it would also still not be your voice. You're going this Google Translate route. 
route, it'd be the machine's voice. Um, and the other thing that seems weirdly unsaid here is like, so where's the, the follow-up report from the CDC of like, you know, the skyrocketing cases of ear infections at schools that can't be figured <laughs> out like what's happening. With <laughs> what's interesting about this hack, I know you guys don't have AirPods, but what's interesting about it is, is when you, when you take your ear pod out of your ear, it, it sort of shuts down, right? So they're using the, I guess there's some electrostatic energy or whatever. So that the device knows it's in your ear, right? So the kids have figured this out as a way around it to get them to enable them. It's brilliant, really, when you think about it. Of course, you know. Now they're going to be looking at your kids' ears when they go to class, right? Yeah. I'm surprised that they even let kids wear earpods in class. They probably don't. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's hard to it's hard to tell sometimes. I mean, you know, if somebody has short hair, you can see right away they're wearing an earpod. But when somebody has long hair, you can't really tell. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you really only need, in, like, in this, like, a bob or, a, or like, a page boy haircut, to like a 70s-style page boy haircut. To, like, that and, length would completely hide the earpods. And in this video that you're showing here, it is, there's a couple of, looks like around 10 year old girls they both do have long mm-hmm. hair that's covering up the airpods yeah yep that's a fun yeah okay what's next this one is uh, an article on apple insider about the i'll read the title here app tracking alert in ios 13 has dramatically cut location data flow to the ad industry so it's written in kind of a scare quotes sort of style for that but it kind of seems like a good thing to me i mean it'd be terrible if i was working someplace where ad industry was uh and analytics tracking was um sort of the bread and butter, but, um, you know, I feel sorry in some respects for those folks, but from a user standpoint, I think this is a demonstrably good thing. Yeah. It's like the ad blocking a couple of years ago, right? Like we're, and this is, this is what it is. It's basically that, is this, wait, this is about location or dramatically cut location data of your ad industry. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. Like the example they, they show here of like the weather app has been using your location in the background. Do you want to continue allowing this? You know, if you've seen those sorts of things, we talked about it when iOS 13 first launched about uh, Bluetooth and location and other things popping up. Interestingly enough, I saw, oh, I saw, I, I think this is a great thing, but I but I saw a story today, I'll try to find it, where apparently Google Research has found a bunch of vulnerabilities in the intelligent tracking protection, which is the technology in Safari that's doing a lot of this. Oh, really? Uh, that because of these vulnerabilities, it turns out that, that uh, at the moment, if someone were to exploit these vulnerabilities, you'd actually have much worse privacy than, than mm. you would without it. Now, of course, Apple will fix it and it will go away, but but it is at this, at as of today, uh, there are some issues with it that is that are potentially uh, open to ex- exploits. There's a, there's some follow up to there. So the the good news is that was patched already. Ah, okay. Um, because because I saw the headline, I was like, this sounds super familiar. I thought I saw a Safari person talking about this bug online. Where if it's the same one and it sounds super similar, yeah. um, they could do a fingerprint by choosing these weird random arbitrary domains, seeing if Safari allows or blocks them and use that each one of those yes or no answers as a bit so you, you know get 32 of them 64 of them you can pretty easily identify somebody because your particular configuration will be different than mine because they you got a random uh, assortment of domains that were requested that then would get denied by the the tracking system um here's the article that was and, the, and the article here. update i saw was like oh yeah then apple engineers were like yep we patched those already hmm. um it, it was a little unclear to me like when and where that was like i don't know you know am, am i currently safe like i generally keep safari pretty up to date mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. that that is an open hole there uh, no pun intended but yeah that was pretty wild of like you know this cat and mouse game of if you make something more secure people will have even more desperate means and innovative means of, of getting around it so i guess it would have to end up being like um what is it the mac address that gets i don't know if it's still randomized anymore or if they give you all zeros now if you ask for it in an, in an attempt 
attempt to keep people from trying to track people through the MAC address. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a tricky it's a tricky problem. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at this article Mark posted here about um, the vulnerability. Apparently, Google has let Apple know about it in in August when they discovered it. Though, in like the last said, it'll be paragraph of the of this article, it says that the Google Chrome engineering director who wrote the paper about this says that the actual vulnerabilities have not been fixed, despite Apple's claim. Hmm. Ooh, that's a, that's a different take than a different article that I read. So that is interesting. What are you going to do? All right. Um, another one here, Jaime, from you. Yeah, this is one from O'Reilly where they had an article about where programming languages are headed in 2020. Mm-hmm. And the ones they, they pull out for some excitement here are Python, Java, Kotlin, Go, Rust. And most of interest to uh, to our fine listeners is probably Swift right. and the big stories there. Right. So they do talk about uh, Swift UI, of course because that's you know top of everyone's mind they also talk about uh swift for tensorflow uh sort of the weird fork that i don't think has ever actually been back merged into swift um from chris latner who's working at google over in their um their ai division if i'm not mistaken and how that has been uh worked with to get you know even more goodness and particularly a lot of the um expressiveness and type safety that you would get out of swift when when using that as a language as opposed to say like like python for machine learning right um, and they also sort of talk about the uh, the thing that we had sort of said, you know, I wonder what's going on with, with serverless when you have uh, IBM dropping out. And it's like, well, you know, stuff's still moving on. People are still using Vapor. And there'll be other areas that people will be interested in, such as uh, Swift Plot that they mentioned here, which is apparently a Swift native version of the Matplotlib from Python. Mm-hmm. A lot of interest here, I think. We'll see more in this area in 2020 is, is what this article is claiming. Yeah. C20 coming as well. The venerable stalwart, C. <laughs> <laughs> will continue to be around. There's there's no doubt about that. So I think it's a good read. We'll have it in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Yeah, Kotlin's still making inroads on the Android side, right? Absolutely, especially since it got the official blessing from from Google, which is pretty Did it? pretty okay. key. It wasn't um, uh, it wasn't just like, hey, here's this cool thing from this third party developer, uh, JetBrains right. in this case, who created Kotlin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, speaking of languages, what's this about Fortran? Yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're really interested in, uh, you know, people are saying the, the Roaring Twenties for for now because it's a it's a nice little joke. It's hundred years ago. You did have the actual Roaring Twenties. Uh, Fortran's not quite that old, but but not that far, you know. Um, and now you have Fortran.io, a Fortran web framework, which I found very very entertaining. You take a look and at some of the examples. Pretty much useless. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this is, uh, uh, I mean, it's 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 like Lego bricks, I think, for uh, for adults, right? It's like here's something that will not be, uh, you know, put under terrible dress, but is, is is fun to to try. I'm not sure what got somebody to really think, you know, should this happen? Should this exist? But uh, but they did. That's there. It's open source. You can view it on GitHub. Cool. Um, so I posted in the uh, Slack for you guys a PDF copy of this report from. Um uh, App Annie. This is another report from App Annie that, like I listed last a uh, couple of weeks ago. Um, this is on the state of mobile um, in 2020, and uh, just waiting for my PDF to open here. Um, and it's interesting compared to what we were just saying about uh, about the, the location ad ad stuff in there because there's some numbers on ad revenue in here. But um, right off the top, uh, you know, 24 billion, two, sorry, 204 billion devices worldwide in 2019 uh, represented 120 billion dollars worth of spends that people. Uh, made in on average uh, 3.75 hours um, and again we were talking about in the Gen Z's they're, they're still claiming 
60% of the traffic out there in 2019 was from Gen the Gen Z group of people or age group, I guess. Um, and uh, some interesting things like, yeah, the 20, the, the, the 120 billion that I talked about spend, but there was something here about ads that I saw earlier when you were talking about that other, oh, interesting one here, in-app subscriptions constitute 96% of the spend in non-gaming apps. So that just shows that the subscriptions is the way to go in in the, as a business model, I guess. Um, yeah, Gen Z, you know, like they're spending a lot of time on their devices, you know, almost four hours a day in, in them. Um, oh yeah, here it is. The number twenty twenty is set to be the biggest be be the biggest mobile uh, advertising year, um, climbing from one hundred ninety billion to two hundred forty billion, um, and that's like up twenty six percent year over year. And which is kind of interesting because we were just talking about how you know revenues are being are, are lowering because of things like uh, Safari, safe browsing and stuff like that, right? Um, you guys have any interesting things to say about some of these numbers you're scrolling through, hopefully? Yeah, there's a different one from the, the first link you'd given us about uh, the video streaming wars heat up. Nearly 25% of Netflix's iPhone users also use Disney Plus in Q4 2019, the highest overlap of users among top video streaming apps in the US. Yeah, well, I don't know where to find it in this PDF. I guess I could search, but it's on the, oh, okay. the link that you'd given us. Oh, it's one of the... Mm -hmm. okay. Okay, right. India, 190% growth. Oh, silver, relatively low numbers. Well, wait a minute. Uh -huh. Higher than the U.S. now? Premium. What page are you looking at? Uh, App Store downloads, top countries. So in the, in the TikTok and Disney Plus page here, it talks about carving out a crowded U.S. market. I was just telling Mark while you were away that I was reading today that Netflix got even more subscribers, uh, even in spite of the fact that Apple and uh, Dis or Disney Plus have joined the market. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, streaming is growing as a whole, and Netflix continues yeah. to invest. Invest and, and definitely has uh, brand cachet, and of course they're they're global, right? They're not in a handful of markets like Disney Plus mm -hmm, and Apple mm -hmm. Plus, Apple TV Plus, um, and and I think the pricing models for for both effectively free for the year, <laughs> assuming you bought a new uh, Apple device, and is it six ninety nine, seven ninety nine for Disney Plus? Um, mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. are good complementary services and not necessarily one to one competitors. I don't think it's um, zero sum, or at least not completely so with those. Mark was talking about what were you talking about, Mark? The um, India versus US. What chat? What in terms of downloads on page? Well, there's no page numbers. Page five, actually. There's yeah, page five. So China obviously is the dominant one, but if you look at the next two, India is number two, and then right, the United right. States is number three. Did you notice that the Apple stock price has gone up? And I, and I heard it was because of because uh, China is starting to take off. In, yeah, in, or sorry, Apple's yeah. taking off in China, right? Yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Wow. Well, the trade war kind of is officially over, I guess, between US and China. Yeah, or I don't know if it's fully over, but it's lightening up or something. I don't know. It's definitely right. cooled off, and that, that, that definitely helps uh, trade there. And for a lot of these charts, I'm sort of not super surprised. You know, we've talked about BRIC, BRIC, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, and they uh -huh. tend to dominate a lot of the high-growth ones, which... Um, I mean, it's just a massive amount of people that you know, India and China, for example, can... Well, China is forward. different in this chart. China is as far away from U.S. And, and India as iPhone was from iPad and Mac, you know? Like yeah. They're up in the yeah. close to 200 billion, and whereas the other ones are just around, hovering around 40 billion. That's quite a bit difference, right? Well, they have five times the population of the U.S. Oh, Ten times, actually, didn't they? No. No, we're like 300-ish, and they're about a billion. Yeah. Mm, okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I just know they're bigger than Canada. <laughs> they're bigger than Canada, yeah. <laughs> I measure I measure population in Canada, so 
It's very easy. I think California is bigger than Canada. If you, if you How use, many people live in Canada? I think it's 32 million or something like that. I think I think California is bigger than us, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. There's more people in California in the sun than there are in Canada in the snow. Yeah, but you see the see page uh, nine. We're talking about you know 96 percent of spend in, in non or, uh, subscriptions uh, in app subscriptions. This this one maybe is a little bit deceiving because a lot of the subscription apps, the bigger ones, are at a higher price point than you might get from other types of apps. So, for example, if you buy you know Microsoft Office or something like that on a subscription, how much does that cost? Like 100 bucks a year, or something like that. Right. Yeah, and then the, the Adobe stuff as well, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So that might skew it a bit. Yeah. The one that was kind of interesting to me, uh, given the fact that I, I just sort of expect United States, China, India, Japan to be up there, just given the, the connectivity and, and the growth, depending who we're talking about. Uh, there's one chart on mobile gaming that South Korea saw the highest average revenue per user among 2019 game releases. I'm definitely not familiar with that market to know what that was, like if there was just some mega hot game that launched over there. Game of Thrones slots casino. Ranked number one in Canada. <laughs> Let's see how many how many Canadas is South Korea. South Korea is about one and a half Canadas at fifty one point four seven million as of twenty seventeen. Interesting. Yeah, more games than ever surpassed five million in annual consumer spend. You know, who are these people making all this money? It's a handful of like the really big ones. So if you look at the breakout games of twenty nineteen in downloads yeah. and spend, yeah. right? Mario um, Kart. Yeah, Mario Kart Tour, um, Call of Duty. Uh, I'm looking at the United States because they're the ones. Same in Canada. Same in Canada. Uh, I don't know what people are playing in in other countries. Like I'm not familiar with this number one killing virus in China. That seems oddly topical. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. What is this color bump 3D? Have you ever heard of this? I don't know. It's all over the place. I've not not seen it at all. Kind of surprised that India is really into PUBG versus um, Fortnite, which I thought had more or less taken over that space. Mm. I mean, the markets to really worry about or to really concern or focus in on would be U.S. and, and China right? Because that's where your biggest number of users is, right? Wouldn't you think? I mean, it really depends on, on what you're going for, right? Like, uh, if your particular thing that you're trying to sell fits with one of those markets, I mean, it's there's a lot of bounty for you, but I think with this is showing that even ones that wouldn't normally you know jump to mind, you know, like South Korea in this case, uh, no slight against it, but it just doesn't normally hit those those top lists, right? It doesn't normally stand out. So now it's like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. I wonder if there's um, a market opportunity here for folks that isn't being uh, isn't being met because this is highest uh, average revenue per user. This isn't highest revenue. This isn't you know growth. This is like whatever that user base is. Huge amount of money per user. So that tells you something that's a little bit different than uh, let's say like we've talked about with freemium of like you know millions and millions of people paying nothing and like a handful of people spending you know mortgage money on on games you know that sort of thing. I don't know what's going on there. I, I think this is an interesting area to to poke into. So this color bump game is it's kind of like just geometric shapes in 3d and you've got this big sphere and you've got yellow and you've got pink and you're pink and you're supposed to i guess you just use accelerometer to navigate through this this uh um environment and just don't touch the other colors that's it is what it says right on the tin right so it just looks like just some game that you just play and i can't believe that this would be like that big it's like sort of the crossy road crossy chicken what was that thing called crossy road right crossy road was was pretty big but i think the bigger one was flappy bird in terms of yeah i mean it's, crazy it's got growth. like some sort of weird thing like that right it's i mean it's, it's 3d because it's in three dimensions or you know whatever but uh yeah weird that would be so so high on the list hmm. but yeah like well, flappy birds was quite quite a big uh, deal who knew maybe you guys might want to slide over to
you slide 31, mm-hmm. look at breakout retail apps of 2019. Look at the United States one, because that's the one I could speak the most to. Amazon, eBay, AliExpress, yeah. Walmart Grocery, and Walmart. Right, right. In Canada, it's Amazon PC, PC Plus, which is a PC is like a president's choice. It's sort of a grocery chain here. Uh, Flip, I don't know what that is. Some barcode scanner and Stocart. Stocart is a is an app that you use to store your rewards cards in. Kind of like a wallet, you know, like, um, in fact, you can actually turn Stocarts into and put them in Apple Wallet. So if you have like a rewards card or whatever, you can, it gives you like a barcode you can scan. Right, right. And and I think Flip, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, coupons and advertisements, like, like the weekly circulars. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The stores. Mm -hmm. Wow. So uh, no surprise that Amazon, they are just, you know, the kings within the United States, the very least, for uh, for online retail. That doesn't surprise me. eBay kind of gets a little bit forgotten, but they're the the veteran. They've they've been there um, and and definitely get a lot of interest. AliExpress from Alibaba. That one is interesting that that is growing enough to, to really break out. So that'll be an interesting one to watch and see if uh, if Alipay becomes starts becoming a payment method that people start expecting. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about Walmart and Walmart Grocery because you would think that Walmart would just sort of you know you know lose lose situation with Amazon, but they've uh, they've got a lot of expertise and they've spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about their three billion dollar acquisition of jet.com and mm-hmm. they're pushing the uh the online space of like hey order online have it delivered they'll even do like two-day delivery uh maybe for a fee but also for free if you get some minimum order number uh pick it up right. in store and oh by the way they've got the grocery app which is a completely separate app that does have you do things like oh yeah uh i guess i'll order online for my grocery and i'll just drive right up to the store not even get out of my car and have stuff delivered to my car and then go along my merry way. I'm trying to find the, uh, the the stat here too that I saw. Oh, here it is on page uh, 13. Mobile gaming is the most popular form of gaming right now. That's surprising over like PC, Mac and, and you know, the your Xboxes and your Playstations. Yeah, the the, the revenue has, has crossed uh, by quite a bit, but I think the, the numbers there don't really give a true sense because to, to my mind, it is in terms of number of users, it's not even close. Um there's there's a fine balance here, right? Like I I do think the the doom and gloom over consoles and PC gaming was uh, oversold. Um, that yeah. will continue to be there. It'll continue to be very profitable. Um, the revenue there, I mean, you're you're dropping sixty bucks a pop for these games, right? So like each user is, is bringing in sixty. There ain't <laughs> like there's you ain't anywhere anybody's getting that much revenue per user on a mobile game. But you have millions upon millions of of gamers playing that. Billions stuff. of gamers, billions. Yeah, so it's. it's it's, it's a very different thing where I think it's uh, it's kind of like like cinema, right? Well, like, yeah, I mean, of course, Avengers is going to make boatloads of money, but there's also mm-hmm. still art house stuff. There's still also the international film market and other right. things that uh, it's not like, it's like, well, that's it. You know, Disney's got everything. No point in making any any movies in Vietnam. Time to close up shops. Like, well, no, there's there's plenty of space here. I think it's kind of interesting to, to watch that. And I think the other, uh, coming back to those breakout retail apps, looking at the Canadian list, it is very clear to me that Canadians like saving money. <laughs> so the coupon app of Flip, the barcode scanner, to to like California, relax, how right? much does this thing cost? And then the Stow card, the the uh, loyalty yeah. reward cards thing is interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting. All right, well, well, we'll leave this for our fans to sort of uh, poke through. And, and uh, it's an interesting read. We've, I think we've only covered like a very small portion of it, right? But anyways, yeah, definitely check out the report. Just have to give you an email address and 
away you go. So this just this story came out uh, yesterday, um, and I signed up. It's uh, Wealth Simple is a is an app here that's uh, developed in Toronto. Actually, um, they started out with uh, sort of like a retirement savings, you know, stocks and bonds kind of or retirement savings kind of thing where they, you would give them your money and they invest it for you as a retirement plan thing. Uh, then last year they came out with Wealth Simple Trading, which lets you trade stocks and bonds or stocks on the stock market. Uh, have that app as well, but they've come out with this uh, another metal card like the Apple Card, and they're, they're comparing this to the Apple Card in this really brief article. Um, it's basically a Visa card that uh, they're going to have this uh, Wealth Simple Cash uh, system, where um, like a no fee card bank sort of idea um, to basically and and get two two point four percent interest on on the money that's in there, and that's kind of unheard of interest in a, in a savings or checkings account here in Canada. Anyway, like you can get like a um, GIC, which is a guaranteed income certificate, and you park your money for like you know a year or eighteen months or five years or whatever, and get those kind of returns. So this will be an interesting. Can you, can you even see. get that these days? What's that? That actually that actually seems kind of hard, kind of high for. Well, maybe Canada is different, but here a one a one year CD is barely two percent. Yeah, it's, it, it's there are there are companies out there that will will uh, give you these kind of returns. Like like if you want to get you know two point four two point six, you got to put your money in there for like five years. Yeah, you know? maybe okay, maybe five years. Yeah. Yeah, but on a one year, it's a little lower, like probably around one, one and a half or something like that. But like most most savings accounts and and uh, checking accounts have pitiful pitiful amounts of interest in terms of you know keeping your money there. Yep, right. Yep. The only thing you do is you save on fees if you have a certain minimum balance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see this this card come on the market with uh, you know like they want to basically take on the you know the Apple Pay and whatever. Like you'll put money. It's basically a bank account that you'll put money into and you'll be able to use it like you would you know uh, a Visa card or or debit card kind of thing, right? So it remains to be seen. I've, I've signed up for it just to see what's going to happen with it. But um, we're, actually, we were just talking about this at the office today. We we're kind of some of the, some of the guys who were chatting after work um, off, with no insight whatsoever. But we were just wondering when Apple's going to come up with Apple Card for Canada. So it's got to. We're, we're thinking it might be this year because you know it's got to be right. It's been on the market for in the U.S. for a year, roughly, right? How long have you guys had Apple Card? I don't it's think like it's been Ju- a year. July or August, Six months, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was announced at WWDC though, right? So June. So the question. Is, will we be getting? Will they announce they're, they're expanding to other countries in in uh, come WWDC next this year, right? Twenty twenty remains to be seen. Yeah, I I was looking at this. Uh, I was like, wow, two point four percent interest is like that's pretty interesting. That's a very high rate here. Um, it is worth pointing out that that is in uh, some sort of brokerage account, so it's not right. backed by the CDIC, the Canadian version of the insurance yeah. you would get from the FDIC in the United States. So yeah. uh, be careful. Yeah, looking at my broker here. right now to get, you can get a, a 10-year CD, certificate of deposit, mm-hmm. for 2.35%. Mm, crazy. So you got to put your money for 10 years. That's a long time that for is that little time. money. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever. It's like, so I'm going to have this completely illiquid asset right. that you're going to punish me if I pull it out even a day before that 10 years is up. Yep. And you're going to give me less than, than these fine folks here in Canada? That doesn't make sense. Yep. Yeah. We used, to have a, we used to have a Canada savings bonus too. They don't do them anymore. But that was a good way to park money for you know a few years and, and get something back, right? Yeah, those are long gone. Yeah, U.S. Treasuries. Let me see what they're giving right now. Yeah. Oh, I can't. It won't show me. All right. Well, I guess I'm bringing, we're at the picks portion of the show, so let's go around the table and see if anybody has any picks. So I've got a couple of picks here. Um, this one is actually uh, Shopify has this really cool program called a dev, dev, dev degree or developer degree. And I was talking 
to a uh, friend of the show, Robin, uh, from uh, who's dev manager for the iOS team over at, at Shopify in Toronto. Um, he was telling me this is the second year they've been doing this. And what they'll actually do, if you're interested, is, and, and you've got to apply before February 17th. So get out, if you're interested, get on it right away. We'll have a link in the show notes here. Um, they will pay for your CS degree in parallel with you working for them, right? So um, the TLDR is that they'll pay, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of $160,000 between salary and tuition over the next four years. And in the meantime, you earn a computer science degree. That's kind of a really cool program. So it is. And if you think here. about it, it's actually not, it seems like they're spending an enormous amount of money on you, but but they're really not. You know, when you when you, right. when you consider what companies give you in, in equity or, you know, RSUs and things like that these days, yeah. 40K a year yeah. is, is, you know, certainly not Trump change, but it's not, you know, it's not a ridiculously crazy amount of money. Yeah. Now, I did I did talk to them about it. They're not locking you in either. Like, and this is a, this is a real live, you know, either with Carleton University in Ottawa or York University in Toronto. Um, you basically spend about twenty five hours a week, as which is what most students would spend in a in a part time job at a, during school year. Um, you work for Shopify. You get paid as a developer, um, and they basically help you get your degree. And you're not locked in at the end of it. It's not like you know joining the army to get a college degree or something like that, where you have to serve afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty cool, pretty cool little deal. Do we know any alums like, of that York University? Do we? I, well, I mean, I'm an alum, but I didn't study I computer science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, York is a pretty good school. Yep. Legit. It's like, no, it's not like the Phoenix School of uh, Phoenix University or whatever it is. Um, I have an it's not, not predatory like uh, like some of the ones you're you're uh, you're bringing up, right? So that's that's good. Um, predatory? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are definitely predatory schools, like, like for-profit schools out there that are oh, yeah. kind of icky. But um, that aside, uh, it's unclear to me. And I ask this as somebody who's not Canadian. Does college cost money in Canada? Because it definitely oh, yeah. does in the United States. It's yes, very it expensive. Does, definitely. Okay. Well, so we have two different things. We have we, what we call college and we have university. And college is, I think what you call college in the States is what we call university here. Like a four-year program where you get a bachelor's degree. Is that college for you guys? It's both. Yeah. We, so, we colloquially say, yeah, I, I, I'm going to college. And that means four-year degree, typically. Right. Yeah. So here, colleges, generally speaking, get you a diploma in a specific skill, right? Like you might do a photojournalism diploma or you might do, you know, a, a app development diploma. Whereas if you were studying computer science and you think of all the facets of computer science you study in like an engineering degree, that's done at university in Canada. And yeah, a, I, I realized in- that uh, it was a, a very Americanism to just sort of like the, the difference doesn't normally matter, right? Uh, right? Very specifically, I went, it was in the College of Engineering at the University of Texas at El Paso, but it was a university right. that I attended. Yeah, and, the university, uh, universities have colleges within them too, right? So, right. Yeah, and I do know that uh, college uh, in Europe, I want to say like, like Germany, they do have that distinction between university is sort of more the uh, like higher education route in colleges and more right. the like trade route. Right. Exactly. Uh, learn exactly. to be an yeah. electrician. Uh, learn. What did you say? Photojournalism. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Podcasting. So be that as it may, um, <laughs> you know, post high school education of any sort. Post secondary, like you call it. Yes. It, yeah. it sounds like it costs money in Canada. So this is. Yes, it does. Yes. You're, you're definitely not getting um, any college, uh, sorry, uh, educational debts from because yeah, they're paying that's for true. that, right? They're giving you money on top of the fact that you're getting the degree as well. So that's really cool. I mean, and there's a large population, even in Canada, who cannot afford to pay for college or university, right? So this is another, like, suppose you're a smart math kid or whatever, science kid, and your parents can't, you know, scratch it together and, you know, because you don't, you know, you don't have the, they don't have the income for it, right, to cover it. 
um, this is a great way to get a get a, a degree. I mean, kudos to Shopify. I mean, the, the thing about it is they 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 can obviously pick from the developers that come to them as well. Like if they if they can if they want to stay with Shopify and you know develop, develop that family feeling, which they probably would. You know, yeah, it's a cool thing. I mean, Shopify's like you know they're they're really doing well. Obviously, I mean, you guys probably know they're doing really well as a business, right? So, are you familiar with Shopify? I wonder how many takers. I wonder how many people actually do this because if you can if you can get a job at Shopify as a developer, then one might argue that you already know enough that you don't. Well, you may. It sounds like you you might already have a degree. Most people probably do. Uh, but if, you, if but if you're someone who can get the job and doesn't have a degree, then it almost sounds like you might not want to spend the time to get a degree unless you just want the degree. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you need to join them to join them and just work your way. Well, through that's them. you know that's that's what Silicon Valley people would say. It's like why do you, why are you going to waste your time going to college for four years if you can already get the job? That's a Silicon Valley approach. Now, right? I, right. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. You know, considering I spent a lot of time going to university, uh, but uh, but a lot of that is sort of the Silicon Valley mentality, right? In fact, there was certain famous uh, VC who was I don't I don't know if this actually happened, but he was talking about paying people to not go to college; they just mm-hmm. go out and work instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I, I can't remember. It, it's one of like five people that come to mind. Um, yeah, it was definitely something that that that, uh, that he said. Yeah, but I was. I'm, I'm glad that you pointed out there. I was gonna pounce really hard. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a very Silicon Valley way of looking. Not not just American, like a ve- like you know, thirty square mile sort of radius view. Right, right. Of it, of like, you know, we've talked about on this show about you know, uh, do you really need a degree? Um, doesn't even make sense uh, and stuff. But the maybe outside of, of the valley, like it, it definitely is a factor in whether you you can even you know, you get past that that first yeah. you know cutting board of of candidates. So I and, and remember that's that's how I prefaced it by saying that if you can already get the job at Shopify, so that that selects out a lot of people who couldn't get the job because it yeah. Is, I think this is geared road. towards your young your young Canadians, yeah. your young Americans. Yeah. You're not I don't you're talking about your you know 30, 40 year olds. Well, maybe you are. Maybe people returning to work too, right? Um, who don't have didn't do university for whatever reason. Maybe they had kids instead or something. You know, um, obviously there's going to be like you're going to have to go and apply and get interviewed, and they're going to have to choose like you know companies up here do that kind of thing. They have you know even for post graduates of, of you know recent graduates, they'll have programs where they can go and work for a period of time at the company. You know, um, not I mean they get paid. Like I'm not talking like a free internship or whatever, but you know just to try out different parts of it. But to qualify for that, there's a there's a vetting process, right? It's not just anybody off the street comes and gets this job, right? Right. I'm, right. I'm sure they have a number of seats. We're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna just grab everybody they can, right? So, yeah, I, I just still think it's a cool, cool, cool thing. Yeah, no, it definitely yeah. is. It's a, it's a great thing, and and hopefully some people could take advantage of it and really, uh, yeah. you know, get something out of it. That would be great. So the next thing is, uh, in my pick thing here is the, it's the, it's called the Apple Archive. It's the unofficial Apple Archive, and I forgot the name of the gentleman who put it together. It's not Apple, but he's he's set up this site where he's linking. Um, advertising that Apple's done over the years, um, right from the 1970s right up to 2020s. Um, there's not much on the 2020 page, obviously, but like you can even go back to like uh, like 1985, I think, was when they ran the Lemmings commercial. Uh, yes, the first commercial in 1985 was they had a. It's it's a. I saw Guy Kawasaki speak about this years ago. It's it's a. Um, 
the people are sort of trudging along with their suits and their briefcases and they're climbing up this hill and they they get to the top of the hill they're jumping off right Um, and because I guess you could do that in 1985 without people getting upset Uh, it's sort of showing that you know people are blindly just following the leader kind of thing and uh, it was a commercial to introduce the Macintosh office which we all know is like you know on everybody's desktop these days right but um, yeah just sort of uh, interesting interesting things of course it's got the the, the, uh, 1984 commercial in there got commercials from the, the 90s with uh, the Mac versus PC stuff, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Different paper ads and uh, various things throughout the years. Of If you're into a- Apple and, and what they've been doing over the, what they did over the years to advertise or, or promote products, um, this is your place to go to get it. It's the unofficial app archive, Apple archive. Have you guys uh, had a look at it? You're watching cartoons, I can tell. <laughs> the one that I will will point out is as one that I've seen. And I, I've not gone through the archive. I just am um, aware of of people poking around and yeah. going this one, this unreleased ad about iPad Pro is isn't a computer, which I thought was pretty brilliant. I'm not sure why they didn't release that one. When is, it, when is this one? What year is this one from? Uh, 2017, according to the URL. Mm. So if you remember that that ad, they had the uh, like teenage or or if not teenage, then like tween age girl who's uh, mm-hmm. doing all sorts of productivity and art right. stuff yes, on her yeah, iPad. Okay. And neighbor's like, oh, you know, that's a cool computer. He's like, what's a computer? I assume yeah. it's the other ad they went with. You know, we talked about, oh, right. about that. And I think this iPad Pro is a computer. iPad Pro is not a computer. I think it's a brilliant ad. It's like 30 seconds long. I think it does a really good job of showing the uh, whatever side you fall upon, about whether it's a computer or not. I think it does a good job of selling the product. They should just release this one as is. I don't even know if they'd have to change anything. Yeah. Trying to find did you yourself. check out the very first one from 1977? It's pretty horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. What's it about? I can't remember. Is it about the Apple II or Apple? It's an Apple II with some like fake computerized high-pitched voice that's really, really annoying. Yeah. Interesting. Apple II? Is this the one you're talking about? Yeah. 1977. Yeah. All right. Apple is. Apple isn't a computer. Whoa. Whoa, that is yeah, super exactly. high. Yeah. <laughs> Pump this down a bit. Apple II computer. I'm sure he'll get a cease and desist letter in no time. <laughs> but is, I guess he's just gone through uh, all the Vimeo and YouTube places and just picked up all this stuff, right? I know one thing that's not on here that I have at home. Families can invent their own Pong games. Yeah. As families are wanted to do. Yeah. Well, technically they could, right? Yeah, sure. In glorious 8-bit color. That ad was amazing. Yeah. It, it was definitely of that era. It definitely feels like an era of like, dude, the computer can talk. Isn't that amazing and unheard of? And doesn't it cost a lot of money to do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, it also feels a lot of that same era. Have either of you two seen the Short Circuit movies? Yes. Yeah. Johnny five, number five, the robot that becomes alive. Yeah. It definitely has that same sort of feel. Um, if you remember what the music was in the intro, they had these like beep, boop, boop, kind of like eighties era of, uh, early eighties, I guess, close to the se- late seventies yeah. here yeah. era of, of computation and how that was considered in media. Interesting. Yeah. Let's see. 1989. That's when I got my first Mac. What was the advertising back then? For heaven's sakes, we were talking about children in school in this very episode in school who mm-hmm. were handing over headphones to each other so they could have yeah. their portable device speak in a much better uh you know human yeah. vo- human like voice than this thing um yeah. uh, it's amazing how far things have come wow cool stuff yeah i remember the commercial here that this is around the time that when i was getting my first mac when they got the two guys the two guys in the office reading the manuals on how to set up your pc and uh, the lady comes into the office turns on the mac and start using it oh, that was a fun one Hey, that's my picks. Uh, what do you got for us, Jaime? Couple picks here. Uh, first one 
is an article from 9to5Mac saying how you can fix and restart the touch bar when it stops working. Uh, I have not had an opportunity to try this out. Never had this happen. Have seen it happen to other people where it just goes, uh, I guess, completely blank. I've seen and also where it becomes completely unresponsive, which is uh, mildly entertaining and I'm sure very frightening. But if you're ever in that situation, apparently you can use uh, a process kill and kill all command or the touch bar server and control strip. I have no warranty expressed or implied in this as to what this will or won't do to your system, right. but it yeah. seems like a reasonable And what's thing your to phone try. number if somebody breaks your comu- their computer, honey? <laughs> <laughs> Does RM minus RF all your data? It's in iCloud. It's fine. Yeah, we'll come we're back. We're not going to publish that comment. <laughs> that's why I didn't give. That's why I didn't give all the exact command in case people were following. You forgot along to put the asterisks in there. Yeah, for the somebody's typing in RF. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> it needs to be bleeped out. Like I was, you know, being profaned at that very moment. Exactly. Well, because I know people who hate the ch- the touch bar. Believe it or not, right? They just don't want it. I mean, if they could turn it off, that should be, be happy, right? You know, I don't. I don't understand what people's what whether so you know what the vitriol. I think is the word I'm looking for for the touch bar is but people just don't like it yeah I, I just never use it I, yeah. I find it a little useless I use it I use it you know I use it to lock my screen every time I get up from my desk but I mean um, I use it I use the slider to turn the volume up and down and stuff like that so um, I did have to move some of the, the icons around because I was constantly hitting them like the lock one is right above the delete key and if you hit the if you're a flailer typer you end up locking your computer more than deleting characters right so a bit of a problem all right, honey, one more pick, and then we can get to go home. Yeah, this last pick here, I apologize, it only applies uh, to countries that have the Apple Card. Uh, but guess what? By the time it shows up in other countries, you'll have this from day one. So hmm. now Apple Card users can download monthly transactions in a spreadsheet. I know that sounds like the lamest, dumbest thing, but guess what? It didn't ship with this capability, yeah. which meant that if you wow. wanted to do things like, hey, I use a money management system like Mint or a million other ones like it, normally those have the ability to take a spreadsheet in what like csv format probably um and upload those and hey cool now i've got all my transactions accounted for and i can see my whole financial life couldn't do that with the apple card it wasn't uh, a huge hole per se wasn't a a killer thing but it was a pretty big inconvenience for folks to do that yeah no i think this is a great thing i spend a lot of time typing my transactions into quicken which i use to track my finances sorry i don't use quicken anymore i I use uh, a different one but it uses the quicken format uh but without it so without even 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 a CSV I mean, I, or a spreadsheet, I, I, I could do nothing. I had to do it manually. So this this is a huge like an animal time saver. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. 1984. So I use FreshBooks, which is another Toronto company here, and they connect to my bank account and my Visa, so it automatically imports my expenses. And then I do have to put some in like an animal, but still. And it's good for ones that support that, but the Apple Card doesn't have. So yeah, any I, wonder, sort of, I was wondering if the Apple sort of Card API actually supports for FreshBooks this. or whatever. Right. Uh, There's no API for that, like because I mean, like. FreshBooks would need to be able to tap into what Apple's got on file, right? I, I should re-clarify. Uh, I'm very certain there is an API. It's not a public API. Right, right. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, uh, like, I'm very, very uh, interested in the way that the United Kingdom has uh, gone forward with its open banking system, and I kind of wonder right. um, how Apple will uh, have to play in that 
environment. And I'm hoping that some of that stuff will end up coming back here to the States. It says at the bottom of the article, it's being developed by the same group who are doing the air power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, no info on when it'll arrive, if at all, it says. Well, that's interesting. What will they think of next? Oh, by the way, I know we didn't talk about this on the show, and I kept meaning to find an article about this, but the, the, the latest rumor is that Apple's going to kind of come up with a cheap iPhone. Have you heard that one? I've heard that one. Yeah, so another SE kind of deal, I guess. Oh, that's the one more. that's supposed to be coming out in March? Is is this the same one? I don't even know if this yeah, is the same yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from our um, Chinese guy, Ming something or other. Ming-Chi Kuo, probably? Yeah, Ming-Chi Kuo, yeah. yeah He's yeah. predicting there's a new new phone coming out. All right, well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they where would they go? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right, Mark, if people right. want to get in touch with you. Mark R at Smapsoft.com. Does anybody ever email you, Mark? Some people do, but not from the really? show. Oh. <laughs> Send all your angry letters. Yeah. Yes. We look forward to your letters. Um, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me hanging out. So until next time, we'll see you in the future. Next time. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. This is voiceover friend of the show, Mike Van Ockmans. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. I was going to ask, so Jaime, did you get your MacBook 16 yet? I do have it. It is sitting in the box right next to me. In the uh, box. Wow. In the box. Uh, yeah, I, I got it. Box. I got it right before um, my business travel. And then oh. I've been sort of not in the mood because I've been nursing what I believe is a cold of some sort. So, uh, yeah, I need to get around. I, was, I got all nervous. Like, oh, no. Like, do I have to activate within 30 days of purchase or something to get the Apple TV stuff? It's like, I no, apparently no, no, have no. 90 days from purchase. So, Oh, really? Okay. Good that's good. I'll probably still log- do it before the 30 days is up just in case because I'm paranoid. Yeah, I think you just log into Apple Music or whatever, and then it, it automatically recognizes the device and away you go. Um, my acquisition was I got myself a titanium 400 megahertz G4 titanium book. You remember the first thin um, PowerBook, mm-hmm. right? Uh, G4, Honkin G4. Anyway, my old ones, I lent it to a friend of mine a couple of years ago, and it came back, and it just it won't boot, right? So so I went on eBay and found one, finally, and it was it was seemed to be in good condition. It just had something wonky with the monitor, and I, I had already replaced my display per myself a couple of times so i knew i had a spare display here um so i bought it and amazingly the battery has like four hour battery life on it like this is a you know 2000 it came out 20 years ago and the battery still carries for like four hours worth of power and the the little piece that the the clock uh the clock battery also holds power too so once i set up the date and time it remembers and it's amazing how quick this thing boots it's running running tiger on it and it boots faster than my mac my macbook air except for the fact 
fact that you know, like, of course, it doesn't do you know, it does WPA networking, so I can't connect it to any of my modern networking tools, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. I'm glad to have it back in my. I wanted to have a working one in my in my archives, right? But the, I was amazed at like the, the the battery time on this thing and how quick it boots. And so I basically scavenged my old Mac and moved my old display onto this one, and you know, put my old hard drive in and so on and so forth. And and sort of between the two of them, I had enough memory to, to kick myself up a, a notch in terms of how much RAM I have. And without without spending more, I spent a hundred bucks on the on the laptop, and that's it. So happy, happy, joy, joy. Back to that. My titanium Mac is. I mean, it's heavier than the current Macs these days, but um, it still is my favorite favorite Mac of all time. There you go. How about you, Mark? You getting any new Macs lately? <laughs> I have not gotten any new Macs lately, but I need one. I should invest in. I should get a. Do 16. you need one really? Well, because you have the work one, right? Yeah. Do I really need one? Probably not. But well, see, like I've been saying the same thing. I want. I've got this MacBook Air. I got a 2013 MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, I had to replace the hard drive or the, the SSD drive because it completely fried on it. Um, I've replaced the battery in it, so so now it holds charge or it was giving that battery warning when they started adding that. But yeah, I've, and you know, I figured out how to clear up the space and you know, because I had that um, issue where it was um, Final Cut Pro was eating up 50 gigabytes of space. Figured that out and um, yeah, I, I keep looking at it going, I want, I need, you know, I need to find $3,000 to buy uh, another um, like a new, I want to get a MacBook 13, but now I'm sort of going, well should I wait because I've heard rumors of a new 13 coming out and so on and so forth, right? So, didn't know what to do. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Do I need it? Do I really need it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, because you know, I'm not here working nine to five. I'm, I'm right. using another computer for that purpose, right? right? right. And this one just sits here and I, I code at night and I do the podcast on it and that's pretty much all I use it for. A little bit of Photoshop here and there, you know? Yeah. yeah. So what about work habits? I got a question for you. So for me, like, you know, I work on a computer all day at work and, I, and then I come home and then have dinner or whatever and I come downstairs and watch TV and I usually have my iPad Pro or my Mac, one of the two of them going all, all night long kind of thing. And I'm, you know, coding and doing, you know, I was doing some Mac, Mac OS, or, yeah, Mac OS 10, Mac, yeah, is that right? Mac OS 10 development the other day just to try that out and with one of the Mac with the Paul Hudson book and uh, yeah, do you guys code at night or what do you what do you do with your spare time? Watch TV? Yeah, I watch some TV. I read, play guitar. Yeah. I don't do that much coding these days at home. Yeah. I do enough at How work. Are you, Jaime? Uh, watch streaming stuff, listen to music, um, you know, read stuff uh, more online, although I do have a, a queue of yeah. books I want to get to. And coding stuff, uh, mostly if I'm looking to experiment with something or mm-hmm. just got an, an itch to code something. Yeah. Well, I don't code at work, right? So was, that's, that's probably why I code here, right? So, yeah, so yeah. Since I, well, I guess I do a lot less coding now uh, in this role, but I do still have to code where, you know, before when I was you know, like eight hours a day coding, I mean, a kid, it's, it couldn't possibly have been that when you, you take away all the little things here and there, but. And meetings and whatever, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, I would have been a lot more tired of it and, and just uh, not tired like, oh, I don't want to do this, but more like, you know, that muscle needs Great, to rest yeah. and, and get yeah. refreshed. Whereas now I'm like, no, uh, I think I'll go try this thing out. Like, uh, I might actually try out the Fortran web framework just for giggles, <laughs> right? Where I wouldn't have done that before. I would have just you know, noted it on the show and moved on. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you're more of a polyglot in, in this new role. I mean, so do you, are you dabbling in all kinds of different languages now or? It's, it's getting there. Um, my main focus has been JavaScript and Node.js just because the big example 
sample stuff that I've been putting out has been related mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a little bit of a segue into a very tiny bit of GraphQL for uh, Gatsby, the uh, static site generator stuff that I'm also uh, working on. And I know for certain that the .NET stack will have to be on my list just because of customer support stuff and probably building stuff to give them examples of like, hey, you don't even have to translate it from the very straightforward uh, JavaScript that I'm writing for Node. Um, mm-hmm. Here it is exactly, you know, clone it and run it sort of thing. Um, and I don't know what else will will be out there. Uh, I do know that iOS and Android will come back into my purview. Uh, web components and, and web standard stuff is, is out there. I kind of suspect that uh, Python and or Go will probably come up, but I don't have proof just from listening for, to people talk about uh, yeah. what sorts of use cases people have. So yeah, it's kind of um, a mile wide and an inch deep, I think. I'm like super curious about stuff that's going on in the open banking movement in the United Kingdom. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Just like like this this well simple company has kind of just grown up out of you know. I think the guy there's there's a sort of tongue in cheek commercial that they put out right now where um, the guy kind of worked in financial services and decided it was probably a better way to do it, and that's why he went off and formed this company and started doing this kind of work. Right. So it's an interesting interesting. A friend of mine works over there as the dev manager, but uh, um, you know I, I've bought some stock over there just to see what what they can do with it and and so far the return on the money that i have invested with them even it's like a thousand bucks or whatever but it's been better than you know letting it sit in a tfsa or a gic or whatever i've made more more money in the last six months with that than i would have just you know not doing anything with the money right you know yeah stuff yeah i'm very curious to see where where banking goes just kind of as a inside baseball because from a user's (laughs) perspective a user's perspective how do i want interest to work well if it is on you know loans, I want it to be as close to zero as possible, right? Yeah. And uh, payments, not, this is more of a US thing, I guess, but payments should be uh, and, and peer-to-peer transfer money should be as close to zero as possible, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I can send a five gigabyte cat video to somebody in Zimbabwe, and it costs me nothing, and it's super fast and convenient, why can't I send a dollar to somebody sitting two feet away from me, right? Like, why is that so hard? Uh, on the flip side for interest, when it comes to, like, my savings or retirement accounts, I want that interest to be as close to 100% or greater as possible. Right. And this 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 tension between these different things and and the changing nature of where money is is being made and how it's moving around is is going to be super interesting cuz like like the thing we talked about on the show like <laughs> a 10-year CD that earns a lot less money that you can get dumping it in your simple account in your high yield or dumping it in the wealth simple uh, brokerage account, right? Like that's I'm sure there's others that get better stuff too. Yeah, hmm. the, the biggest difference though is that you could there's no limit on how much how many of those cds you could buy what value and the simple account for example had a pretty low limit it was like ten thousand bucks or something like that for a year that you can move in some of that it was i mean it was it was such a small amount in terms of what the interest was going to give you that it wasn't even worth doing i don't know about the wealth simple one hmm. and it seems like that's that's a common thing that the places that offer these high rates they cap the amount that you can actually move in to like i said a pretty small amount so it's not it's not really worth it mm-hmm. unfortunately i wish it was yeah i saw that with a local institution when I was walking the dog, I want to say one weekend, it's like 5%. I was like, whoa, 5%. Yeah, I was like, yeah. on the first like $3,000, like, that's not that much money. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Might as well just give me 50 bucks and then we're, we'll, we'll call it even. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so how may say you were sick? It's still You're like, I, still, it just yeah. last night I started, started noticing it, getting a little bit of a cough. Yeah. Congested a little bit. Yeah, I've had it since the weekend. It's killing me. So yeah, coughing, chest congestion, nasal congestion. 
Yeah, that's why I wanted the coronavirus to have like some really obvious marker. Like you suddenly smell tangerines. There ain't right. no tangerines <laughs> around you. You know, right. <laughs> I was like, oh god. Like, well, I don't have chest pain, so it must be okay. But I've got a lot of these other conditions. Yeah. What are the symptoms? Is it is it like a cold? Yeah, it's it's largely like a, a pretty severe cold, from what I yeah. remember. Mm. Uh, but the chest pains seemed like they were uh, a, a differentiator there. Yeah. Mm. And is it is it uh, guaranteed fatal? No, I don't think so because they've had a few hundred cases that are known and like six deaths, although it's, oh, okay. it's still pretty early on because they yeah. identified it uh, within two weeks, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think people are concerned that it'd be, uh, was it the Spanish flu or something historically that was like pretty bad? Yeah. That was one of the, in the well, not quite the twenties last time, but the, the teens last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's you know, like, in an era, I think where people are projecting also is um, that's in an era where the world was largely disconnected by comparison to now, mm-hmm. right? You know, Trev, travel of any sort was a lot more difficult and less likely, whereas it's been very democratized now. Mm. I mean, look at this one. So this is from Wuhan in in China. And I think one of the earliest ones outside of China that I remember seeing was one in Japan and one in Thailand. And then now here in the United States, in Seattle, like the world is connected, right? I don't even know where Wuhan is. I'm going to have to take a look. It's not, you know, like Beijing or Guangzhou or something or Shanghai. Let me see. Where is this thing on the map? Come on, Google. You can do faster than that. I don't even know how to describe where this is. It's not on the coast. It's not exactly the center of the country. I don't know what the closest big city is. Hmm. I'm zooming out. Nothing's jumping out. But there, I mean, there you go. It's it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's impacts here. So uh, granted, the medical technology is a lot better. Um, people aren't necessarily better about hygiene, you know, uh, as anybody who's worked in a professional environment and been aghast, you know, like, yeah. did this person just walk out of the bathroom and not wash their hands? Like not even attempt yep. <laughs> to fake any of them? Like, <laughs> it's like, you, I know everybody who works here has, you know, degrees of some sort. I've, I've seen that. Thankfully, I don't deal with that too much anymore because I work from home. So yeah. just wallowing in my own filth if nothing else oh it looks like apple stock's gone down again <laughs> because of the encryption thing are people freaking out about that no what encryption thing oh yeah we forgot to talk about that we didn't talk about it on the show because it's i don't know what the truth is here i do think oh that, the thing about the iCloud not not encrypting your iCloud account or whatever yeah because they they still have the keys to unlock that one apple does for the iCloud backups Right. So they're not encrypted or they are encrypted? So it, I believe it is encrypted, but the key itself is there. So um, you would have to break into Apple itself mm-hmm. or... Like is it a master key or is it like a key per, per I user? I think it's key per user. I don't think it's a singular key. Oh, yeah. But honestly, I mean, it's just like a database lookup for them, right? It's not that mm-hmm. not that different. Um, and I think the, the, the brouhaha is around, you know, did Apple uh, chicken out, to, to put it in some claims, like did they chicken out on going the full way because of the battles with the American governments over mm-hmm. uh, encryption? Um, others are like, well, wait a minute. This story doesn't even make sense. Like Apple, never, Apple won't even confirm or deny whether a WWDC will happen this year or whether a new mm-hmm. iPhone will be released this year, and we know it will, right? Like it's it's like the sun; we know it's going to rise in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I can't see them going over to the FBI and be like, "Yo, we're looking to do full encryption. What do you guys think?" Okay, thanks. Bye. You know that, that just doesn't pass muster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I could see them deciding, like, you know what, we haven't been able 
to solve the user experience problems of what if Jimmy and Sally forget their password and now their children's photos are forever lost and they can't find, they can't get them from, from iCloud that plus the, Oh God, like it just makes it even harder for us in the press and having to continuously fight the government over this. Let's just reprioritize and make, let's get this air power thing working first. I don't know about, you know, redirect the resources is something that I think that I would personally do if I was in that case. But I still think that uh, from an individual standpoint, I still think it should be an option there. And I would definitely want to see Apple provide that full encryption capability. Yes, sir, Bob. Well, I guess I'm going to go catch up on the... Um, are you going to watch... Uh, you know what? I guess i got three more hours to go before you can watch Picard, eh? I, hypothetically, yes, because it's supposed to start at <laughs> 12.01. However, Midnight, I yeah. still have... I don't even know how many short treks there are. There's like four to six. Oh, sure. Yeah, i got to watch those, too. So that's like an hour, an hour and a half. So... Hmm. Uh, you haven't watched any of them yet? No, because I was like, well, if we're not going to do it on the podcast show, like I'm going to save my five ninety nine. See, we don't have universal healthcare nor do we have universal you know science fiction materials well we don't like have, have in we have canada to, we, it comes right with our cable package right we do have to we are paying for something for it but yeah it reminds me i gotta cancel so i i, I have a service that i'm paying ten dollars a month for which i don't use it was free last year and they gave it to me as part of my internet package right but uh, i'm gonna cancel it but i guess i'll watch the short trucks before i cancel it <laughs> yeah I, so, so in order to time it as best as i can i think tomorrow morning like breakfast time, I'm going to resubscribe to CBS All Access so that I can watch Picard either at lunchtime or maybe around dinner time. Um, but that means that in breakfast or lunch, I'm going to have to finish those short tracks. I think it'll be like an hour and a half at most, I think. Um, if they're 15 minutes a pop and then, you know, four to six of them, however many they are. So that's, that's my, uh, my streaming plan. Thanks. Mark, are you, are you going to join the, the folks too? Are you, did you ever get around to watching discovery now that there's no, two seasons? I actually don't even know what you're talking about. So Star, Star Trek, Trek, so Star Trek, uh, discovery. Yeah. Let's no, I, know, that I know discovery. I know what that is, okay. but what are and, and you never got around to doing the like free trial or, no, or paying for a month? No, no. Okay. Yeah. Cause Picard starts tonight. The new Picard. Oh show. yeah. Okay. So we, the, the problem is, is, is for for Jonathan and myself. It's on at nine p.m. and then so we watch it and then we immediately jump on to uh, onto Zoom and do podcasts with uh, or spotcast with uh, Jaime. <laughs> uh, we, we haven't even like I've had a minute to digest it, right? So yeah, this will be kind of interesting because uh, they launched Discovery episodes around five to five thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the in the afternoon, and it's kind of weird that they're doing it at twelve one. I wonder if they're stealing the idea from the Mandalorian on Disney Plus. I think those were, were like midnight showings too. Were they? Oh, okay. I think I don't know. I haven't seen that one either, right? Like I need to, <laughs> I'm saving up my pennies because I knew I was going to spend on, on CBS All Access. Yeah. Um, but in either way, it will be very interesting. Like I'm probably going to have to avoid the internet on like Thursdays unless I want to stay up Wednesday night. So is this season two of um, Short Treks? There's only four. I will have to look up on the interwebs. Let me do that while we talk, but I guess this is a second season. I don't I know how they consider this. I thought we were going to be six or something. Because I only see, let's see what's this one here. Whatever Let me see. Is. Wikipedia. What have you got for me? Season two has one, two, three, four, five, six. Six short tricks. But let's see. Maybe what more. were the release dates? October. Oh, wait, here, I got more. Oh, those are really weird release dates. So last time, Mark, um, 
in between season one and two of Discovery, they did a once per month, 15 minute short episode. Uh, These are, I don't know if they're 15 minutes. Okay, so episode one was Q&A, which is questions and answers, right? Mm -hmm. That was on October 5th. October 10th was Trouble with Edward. Edward. November 14th was Ask Knots. Right. December 12th was Ephraim and Dot. And also apparently The Girl Who Made the Stars. So two of them came out on the same day. Um, And then the most recent January 9th, Children of Mars. Mars. So so this Ephraim and, sorry, the, The Girl Who Made the Stars, which episode is that? That would be the fifth of the second season or ninth overall. Wikipedia has a really good table for this. Okay, I didn't, I didn't see that one. I saw uh-huh. the the animated one with the target target rate or whatever. You haven't seen the animated one yet, right? No, I've I've, I've heard of that again because it's hard to avoid the uh, the interwebs for folks oh, like I myself. That's why and I'm like on the online that you can just go watch them. Like they're they're not um, bootlegged out there for you. Oh, d- d- I am sure, absolutely sure there are. And uh, university or college aged Jaime would absolutely have like illegally downloaded the hell out of these things. <laughs> yeah, older me is like. Dude, I got money. I could solve this with money. It's just a question of whether I want to spend that money. Yeah, I gotcha. Right? Like, I just, you know, it's a very silly thing where I just dropped a bunch of dough on this MacBook Pro here. But I'm like, I also specifically bought it because it was on sale for the Apple Card. And Mm -hmm. I got it knowing now, as opposed Mm to when it first launched, I'm like, I'm going to wait for that Apple TV Plus to have some series finish so that my full year gets me even more free stuff. Yeah. Completely irrational. (laughs) (laughs) Like in in terms of the the cost benefit analysis here. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to pack it in. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. All right. Talk to you later. See you. Bye. And the off button. There's the off button.